Welcome to episode 20 of Curiosityness. I'm Travis DeRose. I'm the host of Curiosityness. And this episode, I have on Dan of Seriallessly.net. Hard to pronounce, but it's a good site nonetheless. It's all about breakfast cereal. Uh, Dan created this site uh, just because he's a you know an addict of cereal, always has been, and now he kind of offers like reviews of cereals, news about cereal, history stuff, all kinds about all kinds of news and cool stuff about cereal. So it's uh, it was pretty fun to talk to him because we just talked about like our favorite cereals, and you know I I got to ask him a bunch of questions that I was curious about. Oh man, curious like curiosityness, uh, perfect and. Uh, Yeah, we just talk. If you like cereal, I think you're going to like this podcast because it's just fun to talk about this stuff. Um, So I'll stop talking and I'll let Dan get to it. Uh, So without further ado, here is the episode. And okay, we're going. What's up, Dan? How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure. So you have a website called seriously.net, right? True. Very hard to pronounce uh, by, by most people I talk to. So I usually just tell people to Google serial blog and they, they can find it from there. But yes, seriallessly.net is the site. <laughs> right. That's good. It's a good name. Like it, it looks good written out, I think. It's just tough to pronounce. I mean, one of my old coworkers told me I should make the, the site slogan, seriallessly, it's a mouthful. I think that's a pretty genius insight, but if, if I were to go back, I would probably reconsider other options. I don't know if, if diehard fans were to hear that, all, all three of my diehard fans, but could have been named differently. Yeah. What were some of the other names that you had? I mean, I really liked Seriality, but I think that's that's been a couple other properties before, little fan things, oh. or maybe like Aurora Serialis. It's a little bit longer, but... I really think it fits the vibe. Yeah, that's good. That one sounds good. Rolls off the tongue. Um, cool, man. So let's talk some cereal. Absolutely. So how did this all get started? Uh, it was about three and a half years ago. Well, it really started probably like five when I would love to just procrastinate by reading other junk food bloggers and, you know, the crazy – wacky style of writing that they would typically use there was a very casual approach to reviewing there were some really nostalgic nuggets and specific references that they used for the humor and you could tell it was just this pretty consistent voice or at least approach to voice amongst all these very different bloggers who were having a great time just writing about snack food it was very very fun to read and a very like wholesome time waster i guess so to speak compared to everything else on the internet um so i was really into those and I really wanted to start doing them, and one of the sites, the Impulsive Buy, that I was reading a lot, um, they had an open call for like staff writers. So I sent like a a test review or something, and it was good enough. So I started cranking out one or two reviews a month there of various assorted snack foods, all these wild like fast food items that were probably outside my own dietary comfort zone for the most part sometimes. Um, <laughs> But I wanted to write more than what I was writing there, and I wanted to more specifically write about what I had the most sort of historical culinary experience with, something that's you know far more basic but central to my developmental history, I guess. 
So I talked to the the editor in chief of the Impulsive Buy about that, and he was very helpful in showing me how to use WordPress and you know helping me set up the site and kind of giving me a little signal boost at the beginning that like if I didn't get lucky and get a few like a bunch of extra fans from that, I don't know if I'd still be doing this. So if Marvo's listening, thank you. Uh, nice. So he gave you like a little little boost there to get some readers initially. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a savage world out there for content creation. Like a lot of people that I know in real life have started blogs recently too, and I obviously I wish them the best, and they should not stop as writing that as a creative venture for themselves. But if you're out to make a blog just to get popular, much like it seems in the real job world, you need to <laughs> get lucky or know somebody to actually like break that first, you know fandom gap that's so critical and you know getting people the confidence to keep writing mm-hmm. yeah man it's totally it's freaking it's tough there's because there's so much stuff and then um yeah if you're not really just doing it because you want to do it if you're not doing it for yourself you're trying to turn it into a business or, or get like a lot of readers or anything it, you really have to run it like a business and kind of and work at it a lot right oh absolutely and like there's even a very clear hierarchy between my blog, other blogs, and then like the major news sites. And the worst part about it, like, not that I'm like really into growth hacking my website or obsessively pouring over statistics because I've trained myself to eventually not care about that and I feel it makes blogging a lot better. Mm-hmm. But you still notice just from like looking at how you appear on search engines that the algorithm favors all the re- sites that are really popular already. So no matter what they post, it's going to it's going to appear before yours so they can write all this low grade quality content and you know the popular just keep getting more popular and it's so hard yeah that's a good point it's tough to break in huh cuz it's already once you're big and established then you're there and your search engines are finding you and people are finding you but it's tough to if you don't have the you know those backlinks or whatever it is to to get in there yeah that's why i just had to train myself to not care about those things obviously you can see i'm still vocal enough to bring it up out of out of nowhere pretty much but <laughs> um over time just starting to realize that you're never going to compete with buzzfeed anyway so why not make this something that's creatively satisfying instead yeah yeah totally so is this um do you have like another day job that you do or is this your full-time thing oh no no this is, i wish i could make this a full-time thing but it's yeah. not even it's a drop in the bucket, but yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a professional copywriter at an advertising agency, so I do often get to write about food professionally as well. Oh, nice! That works out. That's good. Cool. So, I mean, I don't know. I, like, if someone didn't know like what you did or anything like that, how would you kind of describe, you know, your blog or what you do for them? Uh, it's essentially just sort of a a hub for people who love breakfast cereal. And sort of the peripheral cereal type items like the pop tarts, pop tarts and oatmeal, and maybe maybe waffles eventually. Maybe that's the next level. But news and reviews about those things to sort of keep up to date on what's new and coming to breakfast aisles near you. Um, but also, you know, imbuing it with sort of a nostalgic twist because that's the real reason so many people love cereal. I believe. Yeah, you think it's all the you know, Saturday morning cartoon serial watchers that are really in love with serial? Yeah, I feel like it's probably more complicated than that. But if you were to boil it down, you might get something like that. Oh, okay. What do you mean it's more complicated? What do you mean? 
I mean, just the whole the whole nostalgia trip behind cereal is very. I don't know. It's hard to describe. We should come back to that one. <laughs> All right, we'll circle back to that. Um, man. So I, I mean, what? Like, how did? Is that what it is for you? Is like cereal has just been kind of a, a large part of your life since you were since you were younger, growing up, and everything. Yeah, I think it's sort of the the collective cultural mythos. I guess the way that um, sort of the culture of cereal has exceeded, I guess, the, the actual brands themselves, you know, and sort of created this, this lore and fandom all of its own that can kind of sustain itself, even when there's not necessarily the most imaginative cereals coming out anymore. Oh, I see. So you think it, it was kind of a heyday when there was more imaginative, like creative cereals being produced? Oh yeah. You can see like in, in old Captain Crunch commercials and back in all the character mascots, of course, the reason for it is because of, you know, probably the comparative advertising laws towards kids then versus now. But you had a lot more like narrative sort of commercial plots that really allowed you to, you know, have higher stakes in these characters as, as much as you would any other cartoon character almost, um, more so than other products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I could totally see that. Um, I mean, that goes on a little bit today, though, don't you think? I mean, I hardly see it anymore. You can see some some cereal brands try to sort of, excuse me, uh, personify their their social media presences, but it just doesn't really have the same, I guess, assimilation sort of style between what you're seeing in a cartoon juxtaposed with what you're seeing in the commercial. It's kind of it kind it's kind of all connected in that way. Versus when you see it on social media, it feels a little more out of place. Right. Okay. I can get that. Um, do you know anything about like the history of like cereal with like Kellogg's and all that kind of stuff starting it up? You know, it's not really my specialty area. I'm more, I'm more keeping abreast of what's new in the field versus, um, some other cereal content creators, I guess that I know, like my friend Gabe Fonseca does a, a really good YouTube series called Cereal Time. That's much more about, about the history of these cereals and how they catch up to today. So I know like, I've read books, you know, read some news articles about the history of cereal. So I get, I get the gist of its sort of origins as, you know, more fortified and healthy products and even like their use inside sort of the, the Kellogg's, uh, sanitarium or whatever you called it. But I don't know. It's kind of a, it's kind of a ruddy field along the, the farther back you go. So no one really knows the true origin. Uh, yeah. Cause there was some like kind of goofy stuff that Kellogg was doing with it, right? Like, I don't, I was just thinking about this. I don't, I don't really know for sure, but he was trying to like, he had like a hospital or something he was, and he made uh, like Kellogg's cereal to help with that or something or just for health reasons. Yeah. It was supposed to be like intentionally super bland. So sort of stave off like unchristian urges or something, but <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The farther you back you go, it kind of gets, <laughs> a little less rose tinted as compared to when you look at sort of the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Gosh, what the heck? That's such a weird beginning, <laughs> man. And then I don't know. I heard this too. I think that, um, post, whatever his name is, Mr. Post or whatever went to like be treated or to visit like the Kellogg kind of, you know, sanitarium thing or whatever. And then 
you know, kind of started liking his cereal and went off and did started post cereal. Hmm. I did not hear about that, but I guess uh, in Battle Creek, which is not too far from where I live, there's both the Kellogg's and the Post headquarters, both in Battle Creek. So if he stole his idea, he definitely didn't go very far with it. <laughs> yeah. So you, okay, so you live close to Battle Creek? Yeah, it's I mean, it's not that close, but I can still make it down there for the, the annual cereal festivals if I want to. <laughs> they have cereal festivals. It's it's one yeah it's one day a year they post and Kellogg sort of make make good on their their quiet rivalry and post put together this sort of citywide breakfast buffet it's quite the the spectacle I've covered it a few times on my site wow so it's what is it exactly it's like a huge buffet kind of thing it's basically just like a really long table and there's a bunch of really long tables inside of tents and they have all these volunteers just pouring different bowls of Kellogg's and post cereal and then you can just walk down the street listen to some street performers see some of the the costume mascots even the the Pringles mascot was there for some reason <laughs> um and we, you you can grab a bowl of dry cereal and then you have to go to some sort of sort of milk guru who will then decide how much you get in that bowl uh, so it can really mess with your typical ratio if you're not used to it, but you can keep eating cereal for as long as you want. And there's also free pop tarts, uh, and a few other f- free Kellogg's products like rice, crispy streets and stuff. But like the fundamental flaw with it is that it starts at like seven, eight AM and only goes till noon. So within the span of like 20 minutes, you have nothing really left to do there than eat more cereal. And once you eat like your entire caloric limit of cereal by 11 a.m., you feel like absolute sugared garbage, <laughs> let me tell you. So it's quite the spectacle, but it really dies out in the second half of the day. Jeez. Man, well, that's cool. That's great that Kellogg's and, and Post can get together for one one day a year and, and, and put that celebration on. That sounds fun to, to just visit and see that. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a, a nice gesture, even if human greediness, you know, sort of makes the most of it. <laughs> yeah, because my mom, she grew up in Battle Creek, Michigan. So I had, uh, I've been there back there once. Um, and we went to like the Kellogg's Museum and all that kind of stuff. And oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I got our picture on the front of a Frosted Flakes box. So that was <laughs> nice. That was fun. Yeah. Is that, do you know, are they still like, do they still make? the actual cereal there or is that have has that been moved on somewhere else now um i'm pretty sure they do the whole city smells like cereal so <laughs> that's the amazing part it really does wow so it just smells like frosted covered something yeah it just tastes sort of like boiled milky sugar it's kind of really hard to, just, to pinpoint down but you know it's there <laughs> that's cool i love when the city has like a something they're known for like cereal city like that or like um, like Hershey, Pennsylvania for all their chocolate stuff. Yeah, I feel like most city smells aren't that nice. So that's it's, it's, a, it's quite the perk. It is nice. Yeah, that's a bonus. Um, let's see here. I had some questions. Uh, okay, so what do you think, what would be a cereal that like I wouldn't know about or like the general population wouldn't know about that you think we should seek out? I just tried some OT cereal yesterday. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously you would know about them if you read my most recent blog review, but it's a, a South African cereal exclusively, you know, made and distributed in South Africa, maybe in other you know regions that aren't America, but I can't really pinpoint that. 
but I was I was sent some some bags of each flavor by my same friend Gabe, who I was just telling you about, who wanted the the boxes of OD cereal for his collection. So there were five flavors that made their circulation from someone who distributed them to him and then back to me. But some of these flavors were pretty exciting, and it's nothing like you would necessarily see on American shelves. Like what kind of stuff is it? So you have original ones, which are pretty normal. They're just like Cheerios, even though like all international cereals are way less sweet than America's because we just have a taste for it. The Coca-Cola's in the water pretty much. <laughs> um, but if you can get over that, even the original ones are pretty good. But the there's a chocolate one too, which is pretty normal, but also really good and more like a dark chocolate cereal. But then you've got apple raspberry, which is like the first sour cereal I've ever tasted, yet it was still super good. It was like a green apple gummy bear or something. Wow, interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, it gets even weirder. There's um, there's a bubblegum one as well, and that just tastes like like the weird chemically bubblegum that's really not that great but still like kind of creative anyway, like a really fake lab-engineered strawberry mixed a little bit with like cotton candy. <laughs> It's just really complicated, but it's the marshmallows in that one that are so insane because they're – first of all, they're massive, but they're also like 70 percent actual gum because you can chew them. You have to chew them really for at least like 30 seconds to a minute just to be able to swallow them. What the heck? So it's like you get to this point where you're like, wow, did they actually put gum in this cereal? And right as you start to doubt yourself, then you can tell that it's actually edible, but it really gets you for a second. Oh, man. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever necessarily buy it again, but I'm really glad that I've tried it. Yeah. Not unlike the the other flavor, which was cream soda, which is just not for me. Oh. Like, I, I was reading up on Wikipedia on just how many different international variations of cream soda there are. So, like, well, we expect, like, I mean, I, to me, cream soda is, like, vanilla and kind of like a butterscotchy type deal. Mm -hmm. But apparently in South Africa, cream soda is used as, like, a very popular hangover cure, I guess, and it's like neon green, and it tastes. The only description I could find was that it tastes floral, and and then I guess if that's what it tastes like, then the cereal does, I guess, authentically embody that because it's just really pungently floral, and kind of like chemically, kind of like cleaning product almost. And I just, it must be a really acquired taste because it was just a little bit too out there for me. Huh, that's so weird. But they call it cream soda. I mean, yeah, that I guess that's what cream soda is, is regionally. So. Oh wow! I had no idea. Cream soda here is so good. Yeah, I would love to see an American cream soda cereal. Yeah. I don't know who taste. could pull it off. Yeah, I wonder. Are there any? Have you ever had like a soda flavored cereal? Does that, does that exist? Um. Not in my recent memory. There was definitely soda flavored pop tarts in the root beer and the orange crush although neither of those were particularly great oh man yeah there was orange cream pop cap and crunch which is an ice cream flavor obviously but it reminded me a lot of orange soda so that would be the closest spiritual successor that i can think of okay and that yeah that sounds i'd be into trying that i'd be down for that Ooh. um so what, where do you stand on like the milk ratio? Are you kind of a lot of milk or you keep it light? Oh, I'm definitely lower than average when it comes to milk. Oh. I don't know. That? I don't know if it's any particular reason. I just, 
really like the only thing left behind at the bottom of the bowl to be like some pretty soggy cereal. Like if there's too much milk that I have to drink it like a a full beverage, it can get a little bit tough, but I like to have, you know, still some some good stuff in there and you really have to learn and hone over time to realize just how much milk you're eating during the actual cereal experience so you get the right amount at the end. And I guess I've just had a large enough sample size that I can find out that for me. Mm-hmm. You've really honed in that ratio there, huh? Yeah, but I acknowledge it's different for everyone. Oh, yeah. So I won't condemn anyone for how much milk they put on their cereal. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm the exact opposite of you. Like I'm a heavy milk pour. I love to have like a full kind of like extra beverage at the end that's the milk or the cereal flavored milk. I love that stuff. Oh, I still I still love end milk. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> I don't know. When it really swells up my belly by chugging it down, it gets a little bit much. Yeah. And I have to make the like the, I don't know, I guess compromise between it being like having a lot of it or having a smaller amount, but it's more flavorful because uh, because it gets diluted if I have too much. That's true. But if there's too much left behind, you can always just pour another bowl and then you get the compound milk effect. So I've oh, known people idea. to do that. That's very smart. Uh, is, there a, is there a best type of milk for cereal, like whole milk, goat milk, anything like that? Yeah, that's where I'm a little bit like Achilles healed because I'm a, a bit lactose intolerant. So yeah, I try a bunch of different milk alternatives and thankfully a lot of them are good. A lot of them pair smartly with different cereals. So I like to use vanilla almond milk sort of as a good base. It seems to, you know, pretty positively go with just about anything you can throw at it. Okay, that's good. But that's got a little vanilla flavor to it then, huh? Yeah, I have yet to find a cereal that is not complimented by vanilla, but maybe I'm just weird. <laughs> no, that's fine. Man, that's tough then, yeah, if you can't just have straight up milk. but you know. I don't think it's that hard because having different flavored milks really lets you sort of combine and, and you know make different permutations. Okay, I see. There's different pairings that go with each cereal. Exactly. Um, so are you are you one to kind of let it – you pour the cereal, you put the milk in. Do you let it sit for a second and, and sog up a bit, or are you diving in there right away? Uh, in an ideal world, I'd let it sit, but in reality, <laughs> I usually can't hold myself back. Usually when I'm writing about something, I at least have the buffer time of stopping to take a photograph of it. So that really has taught me to pace myself better and get that better you know, soggy to crispy ratio. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I agree. I like it a little... A little soggier. It depends on the cereal, but but yeah, generally a, a little bit of sogginess is better for me. Um, yeah, is that aren't there some cereals that don't? I don't know if this is around anymore, but they like don't get soggy, or that's their selling point. Sort of is that is that they don't get soggy in milk. I mean, there are some that'll try to be sort of more sog resistant, like the heavier type cereals. Something like a mini wheat is absolutely just going to suck it up before it before it's really in, impacted in its integrity. But I have yet to see any cereal that can completely withstand uh, me forgetting it on a counter for a few minutes, which tends to happen more often than you think. <laughs> it's just impossible. It's it's physics, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was destined. <laughs> um, so what's the cereal that you eat the most that you continually find yourself buying over and over? Um, 
It definitely changes seasonally and, you know, what I'm remembering and sort of the other new things that are out sort of jogging my memory of what I like. But now that my dear Waffle Crisp has been discontinued, I've been going back to uh, just a normal Cap'n Crunch with Crunch Berries. It's just the most simple yet genius mix of flavors that's just not even close to compare in any other cereal, yet it's uniquely and almost universally nostalgic, it seems like. Yeah. Have they did they change up Captain Crunch? Because I feel like it used to. I had some recently. I feel like it used to just tear up the inside of my mouth because it was like way too sharp. But then I had some recently, and it didn't. I didn't have that at all. So I didn't know if I had just grown up and my the inside of my mouth had hardened up, leathered up a bit. But uh, it was great. Has that changed at all, or is it the same same formula? Do you know? No, I don't think it's changed because it still hurts my mouth a lot. I'm guessing in your case, you probably just you know. When you grew up, you learned the proper manners to not just dive into your bowl of cereal like um, like most children do, which is probably without any sort of restraint. <laughs> and I still kind of continue that tradition a lot to this day, and I pay the price. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's the deal with Waffle Crisp? I have like – that's come up for me not being like in the cereal world, but I've heard that come up a bit. Oh, it's a, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty iconic old cereal. Um, Dating back a few decades, at least. I don't have the exact date top of mind, but it's really just objectively the best maple-flavored cereal to ever exist. Like, all credit to French Toast Crunch, but Waffle Crisp just does it better. I think more more buttery, I guess, is the way I would describe it. But and it's also really thick, so it really soaks up the maple flavor better. But And the little waffle pieces are also adorable. The branding is really good. And it's just sort of this underdog cereal that was never really pushed to the forte of marketing, but it was always had a, like a cult following. And in recent years, it's been like especially hard to find. Maybe it's, it was only regionally available. I don't know because I was able to find it, but I heard of a lot of people who, who could not find Waffle Crisp for the longest time. And I was recently tipped off that it was added to, to post-discontinued products page. And I reached out, and they unfortunately confirmed it. But yeah... It's a little bit sad news. It's still a touchy subject. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of recent, huh? Um, so that was post that that did Waffle Crisp. Yeah, that's post. It oh, was yeah. post. It was. Maybe oh. they'll bring it back in like twenty years, as most cereals seem to do. Oh, does that happen? Oh yeah, I mean, especially in recent years, with like the the prevailing trend towards nostalgia, which I guess is why I was talking about it being a more complicated thing, is that it's kind of been like this cultural phenomenon lately to just bring back old things. And I don't know, sometimes it can feel a little more hollow in how it does it, but that's more of a depressing story, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just with like the, I don't know if it's been cereal or what, but I've seen like a lot of more sodas, I guess, where they have like the, the retro style, like, packaging on them and stuff yeah it just seems like so many people are doing it that it loses its luster a bit and you start to want new things now instead of just old things so i'm hoping we're reaching a we're approaching a cultural renaissance in terms of cereal flavors (laughs) you think we're on the verge of something i hope so you can't have originality if we keep refreshing the past that's true it's kind of like the same with the movie industry too right like exactly constantly that's why it's, it's it's not just cereal. Cereal is just one. Yeah. Wow. So we just need more innovation. 
Yeah, I think a, a truly innovative cereal could be the cultural breakthrough that every industry needs to be inspired to do better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Do you think it's possible or have we just gone through every idea that we, it's any new thing is inevitably just like a rehashing of something that's already been done? Oh, there are plenty of flavors that you could have, you could probably immediately think of that have never had a cereal component. Like eggnog cereal would be amazing. Oh, Pecan man. pie cereal would be amazing. Carrot cake. I could go all day just naming, but the fact of the matter is a lot of these companies just want to use mostly the ingredients that they already have and know that they can rely on. Um, I've worked in advertising long enough to sort of understand that, so I don't blame them necessarily, but I can still hope as a fan deep down. <laughs> it might be possible. Are there is there anybody like making their own like small batch cereals, or is it just completely up to the huge like corporations? There are definitely some smaller, usually like healthier cereal brands that are really startup and just doing this super like artisan focus. But much like in blogging and content creation, it's really hard for them to sort of find their voice outside of like a very specific maybe dietary niche. Right. Yeah, man, it's tough. Um, so what do you think is the most beloved cereal of all time? Of all time... I think if you looked on Mr. Breakfast, who has a pretty extensive catalog of cereal history as well, there's like this ongoing poll to determine the most love. And I think like Quisp and Frosted Flakes are usually at the top of the list. But if, you, if you're basing it on sales numbers, Honey Nut Cheerios has consistently been the top seller in America. So oh. I think, especially based on how much of it my dad eats, uh, we can extrapolate and maybe consider it to be a very good you know, balance between healthiness and sweetness for people who are trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The whole heart healthy claim definitely helps them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's not like total dessert for breakfast, but it's, it's, it's sweet. It'll get your day going. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm on here right now. It looks like number one is Quisp, two is Frosted Flakes, three is Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and four is Honey Nut Cheerios. Yeah, that sounds about right. I've never even I mean, heard Quisp. Of, I've, I've never heard of Quisp. Yeah, it wasn't available for too long, but it was one of those really cult favorite cereals. I think you can still get it in very, very select places and maybe online too. It really just tastes like Cap'n Crunch in a different shape, like exactly the same. I've tried it. Um, but the branding, I think, is what made people really like it because the alien character is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, and that's from that's from Quaker, but then Captain Crunch is from Quaker too. So they just kind of like rebooted it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, right? they probably just wanted to get the most out of their formula. Yeah, I guess so. They figured a, a captain would be a better spokesman than an alien. <laughs> huh. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of ones on here that I honestly haven't even heard of. What do you think about grape nuts? I don't think it deserves necessarily the bad rap that it gets. It's pretty culturally loathed as like essentially being gravel. But that's just, again, if you're not being patient enough to let it sort of – that's the, that's one that you definitely need more milk for. I'll give you that. If you can really submerge the stuff and turn it more into, I guess, like packed sand more than gravel, it really it really comes into its own at that point. I know that doesn't sound appetizing, but just give it a chance. Yeah, Maybe with me. a little maple syrup, a little bit of extra. I don't know. You gotta get creative with that type of stuff. Yeah, is that what was? Is that just like total health kind of stuff? Is that what that was made for? 
Yeah, pretty much. It's super like calorie and protein and fiber dense. But I also think it has a pretty unique, like nutty sort of taste. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely true. You got to you got to let that thing soak for a while. You could risk chipping a tooth. I think mm, it's probably happened. Um, yeah. Are there any like truly healthy cereals that you can think of? I think um, there's some out there, like the original Fiber One which weirdly enough I also think is kind of underrated just because of how like sheerly impressive and nutritionally efficient that stuff is. Like if you have a half cup of that, a single half cup, it's like over 100% of your daily recommended fiber. You can just eat that and then drink nothing but oil the rest of your day and you'd probably be fine. (laughs) Wow, that's great. It's just a true marvel. I mean you're probably not going to be in that one for taste but like if – if you just want to get get in and get out of your your sort of eating habit for the day, it's a good place to go. Yeah, I could see that. There's there's one on here called King Vitamin that was uh, it was changed when federal regulatory agency didn't allow them to use the name Vitamin. Mm, yeah, I do remember that one. It was kind of like a a slightly less sweet, I think, Captain Crunch, right? Uh, yeah, it kind of looks like it. Yeah, you could tell Quaker got a lot out of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the spokesman for this is just like an old man wearing a king's crown. Not yeah, sure. they definitely they had a more cartoony iteration, but they were like also the live action King Vitamins, <laughs> and it was just very surreal. I'd like to see him make a comeback, honestly. Yeah, King Vitamin is that how it's pronounced? Um, you know, I couldn't tell you for certain. <laughs> King Vitamin, Vitaman. Like sort of like a Digimon, maybe Vitamon. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm sure it's open to interpretation. Yeah, I could see them doing something like that for sure. Yeah, and then you got all your, you got the Urkelos here. I'm sure you got all those kind of celebrity endorsed cereals. Yeah, you got to recognize the bias behind sort of a a popular cereal list, <laughs> and realize the only type of people who are actually voting for their favorite cereal online probably like some of the the weirder, more unique ones. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. Um, so what do you think is the worst cereal you've ever had? The worst cereal I've ever had. Um, I'm going to cheat and say the 11-year-old Neopets cereal that I ate a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> this was my favorite cereal back in the day when it came out. Um, back in sort of like 2006, I believe. And it was kind of just like this really unique like island berry cereal and that's what it was called was neopets island berry crunch um but i haven't seen anything that necessarily totally replicates the specific tropical fruit blend they used but it was just so good and i'm mentioning him a lot but my friend gabe again um managed to procure a sealed box of it and sent it to me uh for review purposes and i cracked the stuff open and gave it a shot for 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 sport but it, it tasted like um the words i used was drywall soaked in red wine i think (laughs) it was so bad i spat it right off my balcony oh man but it's not the cereal's fault it's just the age right that's true we did prove something that even something as preserved as cereal can still go bad and mummified (laughs) yeah even a preserved plastic bag it still goes still goes bad 
Yeah, and I imagine that's probably what sort of the the sarcophagus juice that everybody wanted to drink tastes like. (laughs) Oh man! So okay, we talked about this a little bit, but what do you think is the uh, what do you think the future of cereal is like? You know, that's hard to say. Obviously, I just sounded a bit pessimistic before talking about how much they're refreshing sort of the old stuff, but I kind of maybe see a couple more years of that going on before really sort of the younger and younger crowd starts getting older and they need to adapt their strategies again Um, because we're kind of nearing the end, I think, of the age cutoff for when that nostalgic boom is going to be profitable for some people. So um, I think maybe in a couple of years we'll start seeing mass experimentation again. A couple of years back we saw cereal companies taking a lot of different approaches. Some were straying more towards the healthy and natural versus um, sort of the more portable options before settling on this more nostalgic approach. Um, so I think we might see them you know, sort of experimenting and trying different things like that again. Okay, interesting. So you think – yeah, so like what are the different ways they could go? Like different crazier wacky flavors or like portability? Is there anything else kind of that's like that? Yeah, I mean some people project sort of an eventual end to the cereal industry. I don't I think it's far more uh, formidable than that and I don't think it'll ever go away, but um some people were guessing that it would sort of transition away from cereal into more like these like power bar or like like the protein pack type of stuff for breakfast and like cereal shakes maybe being sort of a modifiable alternative to that. But, you know, I can't really say. I don't like to make any bold predictions. I just like to watch and see so I'm never disappointed. That's good. Yeah, I mean, that'd be tough because it's all about the the texture and the mixing the milk in with the cereal. It'd be, it's tough to get rid of that. I feel like that's, oh, yeah. a, that's a main component of it, you know. So what's been your, have you had like a favorite or one of the most uh, incredible innovations with cereal lately? Has there been anything that's really wowed you? Um, I think one of the 10 out of 10 reviews that I gave this year that really stands out that I'm still eyeing for my end of year best cereals list is uh, the Malto Meal of all companies coming out with a double chocolate brownie crunch is what it was called. And it was basically just like Cocoa Puff style spheres with marshmallows, but uh, man, sort of the flavor that they used for it was incredible. It just tasted like retro Cap'n Crunch before they changed the recipe from oat flour to corn flour, and it really brought back those old school Count Chocula vibes that so many people are looking for nowadays. <laughs> what was that called? Uh, Malto Meal Double Chocolate Brownie Crunch. Okay. Is that still, can I still get that? Oh, yeah. You got to look for it in sort of the, the big bags. It comes in a big purple bag. Okay. Dang, I'm going to try that. Wow. Cool. Well, Dan, we've been talking about cereal for like 40 minutes now. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Is there anything else that I, you, you want to share that I wouldn't even think to ask, or did we cover everything? Hmm. What's your favorite cereal? Ooh, I'm a big fan of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Um, Classic. Yeah, it's tough to beat that. That's always always a go-to. Um, How do you feel about the the variants of Cinnamon Toast Crunch? It's 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 expansive family tree of related Toast Crunch cereals. You know, I honestly I haven't even tried any of them. I've seen them in the oh. aisles, but it's it's tough for me to to venture from it. Hmm. What what are your thoughts? Now, do you think I should try it? 
uh, I think you should seize the opportunity now that you have it this Christmas to again try Sugar Cookie Toast Crunch, which uh-huh. probably has th- that cereal. Honestly, is probably like sort of the harbinger or the heralding angel of better cereals to come because that was one rare creative cereal that came out recently that just got exactly the type of like praise that it deserved and sort of that cereal needs because it came out and it had an explosive cult following. And after two years of it being out, General Mills discontinued it and tried replacing it with a pretty like cheap rendition called Cinnamon Star Crunch, which was not really that spectacular. And everybody was just calling and calling and writing and pleading for Sugar Cookie Toast Crunch to return. And now it has. And I think General Mills, at least, is understanding that there is value in sort of these these more creative attempts. So yes, you should try it, is the long story short. <laughs> That's good. It's nice to hear that there's like serial activists like you that are, you know, leading these larger companies to actually make good decisions. Yeah, I mean, no one wants cinnamon repackaged into a different geometric shape for the dozenth time this year. <laughs> we want those sugar cookies, man. Uh, oh, wow. So is this thing just, it's just a holiday edition now? It's not back full time, is it? Yeah, no, you'll probably be able to get it till just after the turn of 2019. But it's basically just like cinnamon toast crunch exactly, but replacing the stronger cinnamon part with like a, a buttery, like doughy sort of undertones, which are just so good. Wow. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that then. All right. Cool. Right on, Dan. So where, uh, where should people find you online? They'll go to your website? Yeah, you can find me at serialisly.net. So that's serial followed by O-U-S-L-Y.net. Or just look for Serial Blog on Google. And um, also have a podcast, which I guess we could have touched on a little bit, but that's okay. Um, I'll sum it up real quick. It's a meditative podcast on Serial uh, hosted by myself and Justin McElroy of My Brother, My Brother and Me fame. Um, so we sort of take a more tranquil angle towards serial in our episodes and really focus on just helping people listen, calm down through this comforting thing that, you know, brings them comfort in the morning and so should it all day. So you can listen to that by going to bowl.rest is the URL. Wow. Awesome. I had no idea you did that. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Feedback has been very good so far. We're only three episodes deep. We got a fourth on the way, but it's turning out really nicely, and I'm very proud of it. And I know Justin is too. Cool. Well, congrats, man. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, well, right on. I'll, I'll link to all that stuff in the uh, description so people can click on that. But uh, I appreciate it. That, yeah, yeah. Thanks for being on the show and, and talking cereal. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm going to go have some again. Um, for I won't tell you how many times today, but it's definitely more than two. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. I think I'm going to join you. Sounds good. Enjoy that sugar cookie. (laughs) Will do. Thanks, Dan. Hey, guys. Travis is here again. Um, So the podcast is over. It's done. So you can just leave right now. So don't worry about it. But I just had a couple things I wanted to mention and say to you guys. So first of all, thanks for listening to the episode or watching the episode. Super appreciate that. Um, If you want to connect with me or in in the podcast, uh, we're on... We have a website. It's called curiosityness.com. Um, curiosityness is C-U-R-I-O-S-I-T-Y-N-E-S-S. Kind of weird, um, but that's what it is, curiosityness.com. 
you can go there. We have an Instagram, instagram.com slash curiosityness podcast. So not just curiosityness for the username. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Trav DeRose, T-R-A-V-D-E-R-O-S-E, if you want to find just me. Um, oh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash curiosityness. We're on YouTube. Uh, I think just go to YouTube and search curiosityness and we'll pop up. Uh, I don't think we have a URL for that one. Sorry. Oh, and we have a, I have an email address, Travis at curiositiness.com. So if you want to email me, you know, give me your thoughts on the show, suggestions, tips, uh, maybe like a suggestion for a new, for a guest who could come on, maybe yourself or somebody that you know who might be interested or, or you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know about that stuff. I, I would love to hear that. Um, oh, and then if you could leave a review too for the podcast, that'd be super appreciated. Uh, the reviews in like in Apple podcast or Spotify or whatever, wherever you're listening to this super help, um, just drop like a star, whatever star review. I won't tell you to do five, but it'd be nice. Uh, so drop a review. You can write a review even too, if you want, that would be even better. Um, but that's about it. So thanks again for watching. I super appreciate you, you know, listening to the whole show and staying here. Um, and yeah, thanks again. Have a good day. Bye-bye.